It's not the Rangers. The Rangers themselves are not the issue. And they won't be the issue even if they do, in fact, end up being the first-round playoff matchup. Good morning to you. Good Wednesday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports. This is Daily Shot of Penguins. It comes your way bright and early every weekday if you're into football and or baseball. I also offer daily shots of Steelers and Pirates that I hope you'll check out. Rangers 3, Penguins 2. Another loss to New York. I know it feels like they've lost every game to New York. They haven't, of course. They won the first meeting with that one nothing shutout. Put forth a pretty similar type of effort in this game last night. Certainly a way better effort than what took place last Friday in Manhattan. But it still wasn't enough. Now, the Rangers did score their three goals three different ways. One was on a sustained forecheck, another was on a rush, and the third was on a power play. So there isn't some hard pattern in place as to how the Rangers have beaten the Penguins when it comes to the hard outcome of goal scoring. However, there is one commonality between that opponent and others that have given the Penguins fits all season long, even when the opponents are crappy. And that is that the Rangers have a strong transition game. Now, I'm going to rewind you to five years ago when Barry Trotz had allegedly unraveled the Mike Sullivan system. Do you remember that? We were all, oh, that's it. Trotz outcoached him. He did it. He figured out. He solved the defenseman pinching, and he solved uh, everything that there is to solve about Sullivan's X's and O's. And, and, of course, he had done no such thing. The Penguins just hadn't executed a sound system soundly. And it was exposed by way of Washington having a lot of guys who were really skilled on finishing off the rush. But you don't have rushes without a transition. Now I'll rewind you to something a lot more recent in franchise history, and that's this season when the Penguins have played the aforementioned crappy teams, and they've had trouble with some of them. You might not remember this one since they just put 11 goals past the Red Wings, but they did lose a game on home ice this year to Detroit. They lost a game very badly in Ottawa. They've had trouble with the Devils, the Panthers, and any team, really, that's been quick and aggressive on the rush, fed by a transition. The Rangers are one of those. Listen to Brian Boyle talking about how they function after the game last night. Well, they have 
I don't have a lot of speed. They got, um, they've added some guys as well, so their lines can be dangerous. But they have a, they have a lot of speed. Their D want to move the puck up and jump up in the play as well. I think a lot of teams are like that now in this league. Uh, so it's taking care of it. You can't give them the puck easy. Make them make them take it from you. Make them defend a little bit. If you can get their whole team to come down and stop in their end, you can slow down their uh, transition game a little bit. It's a matter of taking care of the puck against the team that wants to anticipate and jump because it's tough to catch them if they get a step. He's right. That's it. That's what happens. The Rangers will take the puck and just go. And when they go, your team, your favorite team, is on its heels. And this team is never any good on its heels, which is why the head coach always preaches to play on your toes. This portion of Daily Shot of Penguins is brought to you by the good people at the Greater Pittsburgh Community Food Bank, where they're committed to providing food for all of our neighbors in need across western Pennsylvania. They, in turn, need your help. Find out how $1 can be turned into five full meals for those in need. Visit pittsburghfoodbank.org. What does that mean, heels and toes? It sounds like a wiggle song or something. What it represents on the ice is partially a strategy and partially an attitude. The attitude probably, in the chronological way, comes first. You've got to be thinking, we're going to be in this team's face. We're going to keep them from doing what it is that they want. The problem with that, the flaw in it, is that When the other team has the puck, you've got to be adept at defending over all 200 feet of ice. The Penguins still aren't that. That's why they remain, and Sullivan has conceded this much, a team that's better at defending just by having the puck. They're not great at the actual art of defending. That's how the Rangers were able to score not just the one by Brendan Schneider on the rush, but also the one on the forecheck by Frank Vetrano. So what's the solution for this? Well, there are different ways to address it, including tactically. Sullivan wouldn't be all that wild to talk about this, but even back in the Trotz has figured him out phase of his tenure in Pittsburgh, he was able to tweak a couple of things. He was able to say to Chris Letang, Brian Dumoulin, whoever, listen, it's a tie game. You know, that pinching, it's it's okay if you're 100%, go get it. But if you aren't, then don't because we'd rather have you defending in the event of a turnover than we would a forward. But for the most part, the thing that works against this is what you saw from the Penguins in the third period. If you look at the Rangers' peripherals, you will see that they are not a particularly good defensive team. They have a world-class 
goaltender and he's part of their team. But the skaters in front of him aren't that great at minimizing shots, minimizing quality scoring chances. So what you have to do is play in their zone, in the New York zone, and emphasize intelligent offense. You know what you got out of your hockey team last night? It was not intelligent offense. There was precious little intelligence happening in that end. You saw overpassing, behind the back, blind this, blind that. You didn't see a team performing on offense the way it would in a playoff game. How did Pittsburgh score their goals? That's telling as well. Brian Boyle on a deflection. Boyle's one of those guys that you could see being really good in the playoffs, even if he doesn't score a ton in the regular season. Like You wouldn't be surprised. Why is that? Goes to the net. Redirects a shot. Right behind him was Teddy Bluger. If Boyle hadn't gotten it, Bluger might have. That's a playoff goal. Sid on the power play. Gripped it and ripped it. Didn't overpass. Didn't overthink anything. Saw Jake in front. Saw the screen. Pow! There it went. Those are playoff goals. The Penguins were not intelligent. There, that's the phrase I'll use. Not intelligent as opposed to dumb or idiotic and anything else that I actually want to say about how they performed in the attacking zone. They were terrible. They were terrible. That is what feeds a transition game, meaning the other guy's transition game. That's the seed that gets planted. That's the turnover that starts the rush the other way when you do something dumb in the attacking zone. That's the way to beat New York. That's the way to beat transition teams. The Penguins got a lot of things right last night. They didn't get that right. When we come back, just one question. comes from Brian Gluck who asks after watching the puck drop with Big Ben and Sid there how much mutual respect and admiration exists among these two all-time greats who spent so many years together leading their respective teams in Pittsburgh there's immeasurable mutual respect I can tell you in both directions. But I'd be remiss if I took it any further without also including Gino, who is a big Steelers fan. Sid is a big football fan. Sid is a fan of the whole sport. He follows everything. And of course, he backs the Steelers. We've seen him do that in person at Heinz Field, just as we've seen Ben and other Steelers make it over to PPG Paints Arena. But Gino is all Steelers. I mean, he is really, really into it. And I can promise you that of anyone who was moved by Ben showing up for this game, 
last night that 71 would have been atop the list. Now, to try to actually answer your question, there is a an understanding among athletes for all three Pittsburgh teams that our city is a little bit different when it comes to this sort of thing. It's the only city, of course, anywhere where all of the teams have same first names, same set of colors, same everything. All play pretty much a stone's throw apart from each other in our downtown area. I know that over the years, this was pre-COVID when there were open locker rooms across the board, Ben would ask me questions about the Penguins or about hockey in general. It was never his uh, number one interest outside of football. Uh, He played baseball uh, all the way through college, was actually really good at it, also played some hoops. But he's been in our city for a big, big chunk of his life. In fact, the majority of his life. And anybody who knows how NFL players train knows that they're the only ones between the Steelers, Penguins, and Pirates who all stay in Pittsburgh year-round. They really don't have a choice. The facilities that they need to use are over on the south side And although they do some training elsewhere, most of it's done around here. So Ben was going to be naturally closer uh, to the Penguins than vice versa for that reason alone. Now, Sid's Sid's kind of funny. He was a little different. Again, going back to when locker rooms were open, uh, I had this, I don't want to call it a tradition or something, but just this pattern, uh, especially after home games where he and I would just engage in some casual conversation Almost never about hockey. It'd be about, if we were on the road, something about some component of the city that we were in. And if it was at home, he would ask something, something about football because he'd have a pretty good idea that earlier that same day I would have been over on the south side covering a Steelers practice. So, yes, there is a legitimate mutual respect for their achievements. Uh, each one of those guys, but also got to throw in Gino. And by the way, uh, what a nice scene. You know, uh, I'm I'm one of those suckers for the whole uh, same first name, same colors thing. I, I, I always have been. I got to admit, when the Seattle Kraken unveiled their uniforms and they had that unusual uh, aquamarine blue or whatever it was. And I realized that they weren't going to have the same colors as the Seahawks and the Mariners. I was like, all right, (laughs) you know, I think it's a neat, neat thing to have seen the way all three teams, uh, support each other. And yes, of course that does include the pirates too, because you know, it was only just a few years ago that they were in the playoffs three years in a row. I appreciate the question, Brian. I appreciate everyone listening to Daily Shot of Penguins. We will do another one tomorrow.